0: Hey, welcome to the show. I'm your host, Eva Miller. As a domestic violence survivor turned life and wellness coach, I'm here to help you fully know your value, reclaim your power, and boldly create the life you love instead of living from someone else's script. So if you're feeling stuck and looking for help, or you just want to be reminded that it's okay to be your unique self in a conforming world, you're in the right place. Don't water down your wild. Step out of the race you never wanted to be in and forge your own path. Let's go. Hey, hey, welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Eva Miller, and sitting in with me this week is the amazing and incomparable and very silly Moose Miller. Yay! Welcome back to the show.
1: Thank you, thank you, thank you. Normally, I would have intro music playing and I'd be wearing a flowing robe and my hair would be flying everywhere and step into the ring and get ready to fight when you sat like that.
0: (laughs) Yes, I know. Moose is your professional wrestling name. I get it. I get it. Okay. So I was talking to a friend recently and we were talking about the podcast and I asked her if there was anything that she would like to hear discussed on the show and she said yes. She mentioned that she is fascinated by the research that is out between the clutter in our lives and its effect on our mental health. And so... I thought we would talk about that. She said, I think it's interesting how sometimes when we hear something good, like let's say cutting back on clutter or the effect on our mental health from having too many things, we overcompensate and make it a new stressful thing by trying to reach this perfection or what have you and miss the whole point of it. So I was thinking today we would kind of separate those layers and talk first about the effect on our mental health that comes from having a lot of clutter you cool with that?
1: I'm very cool with that. Okay. It is it is a topic that people struggle with. It's something we
0: sort of a yeah. little bit talk about regularly mm-hmm. around here in our yeah. house because I'm not a clutter bug. I still have too much stuff but I don't have a lot of like physically, visually there's not a ton of clutter in this house but well really in any of our houses but I just mean <laughs> but I still have too much stuff yeah. and so it, it stresses me out. I definitely am aware of that link between my stress levels and how much stuff is trying to scream for my attention right
1: yeah and I tend to hold on to more stuff than you do
0: yeah I think you're a little more of a pack rat than me
1: yeah a little bit yeah
0: yeah why is that
1: I don't know because I'm not a rat and I don't carry a pack (laughs) but um some of it's sentimental reasons some of it's because I identify with Some of my stuff, and I know we'll we'll get into this in a little bit. Yeah, saying you
0: don't. I don't know if you looked at my list, but the identity part's definitely on here to talk about. I have
1: snuck a peek backstage.
0: Backstage, (laughs) (laughs) you're
1: funny in the green room.
0: Yeah, so a couple of episodes ago, I talked about having the way having too many scrapbook supplies to choose from to use caused me to be less productive, and I think that overall, too many choices lead us to decision fatigue because mm-hmm. when we don't know what to pick, we pick nothing.
1: Yeah. That was a good episode
0: that, uh well, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I just meant like in general, we do this with decisions about all kinds of things. Yeah. I don't know which, whatever to pick. And so we end up, we just shut down and that's the way I was with scrapbook supplies. But I also think visually having too many things in our home can stimulate us. And I realize when I say this, that some of us have a bigger, a higher tolerance or a bigger capacity for some, some for having stuff right. in our presence. And um, I know there are some people who say, oh, I, I like it better when all my stuff is where I can see
1: it. Yeah, because I know where everything's at.
0: <laughs> I've yeah. heard that. Um, I'm sure I said that to my mom when I was a kid. but That was yeah. really my excuse for, I don't want to clean up my room. But um, I, I think there are some things that come that come about because we have so many things. And one of those that I think affects us and we're not aware of it is what does it cost us to own this thing? Mm -hmm. And so what I mean by that is we have some things that have a big cost of cleaning. For example, like I would tell you that our tower garden that we grow food in, it is a pain in the butt to clean that thing.
1: Yes, it is. Pain in the back too.
0: In the back. Yeah. In the, yeah. The feet, depending on where you're standing. (laughs) Yes. It's a pain in the arms when you're scrubbing, but it doesn't have to be cleaned all that often. So that's not that big of a deal, but it is not something I understood when we bought it. Right. As to how big of a deal it was going to be to clean it a few times a year.
1: Yeah. We acquire stuff a lot of times thinking, Oh, this is a good idea. I need to get this. And then once you have it, you realize that the maintenance, the upkeep, the space, the time is required to use it is more than you bit off more than you could chew, and then yes. you don't want to get rid of it, so you store it somewhere.
0: Well, then there's the whole thing of, like, for everyday things, like not everybody has a tower garden, right? And not everything is a huge big ordeal to clean like a tower garden. But how about the stuff in your house that you want to dust? Mm. Okay, and it's not that dusting's hard. But if you have a lot of knickknacks and it, you know, if you're a person who moves all your knickknacks out of the way and then you dust and then put your knickknacks back after you've dusted them, that's kind of a pain in the butt.
1: Yeah. Cause then you got to give your knickknack a patty whack.
0: <laughs> and
1: so and put it back
0: and put it back. Yes. And I remember saying to a friend one time, she had so many beautiful, beautiful things. And I said something about, I love being surrounded by beautiful things in my home, but I don't like dusting them. And she laughed and she was like, who dusts? And and I'm like, well, <laughs> I do because I don't want all the, I mean, you know, allergies right, and all right. that kind of stuff. And I mean, I, I have a dog and I usually have a dog and I don't buy the kind of dog that doesn't shed. So I've got dog hair and, you know, dust and dog hair, that's mm-hmm. more than I can handle. So I don't want a lot of things. But also, I happen to know that I'm not a person. I'm. It makes me anxious yes. to have too much visual stimulation. And I'm thinking immediately now to the what house we looked at in Texas. Before we moved into a base house, you were allowed to request to go look through it if the person was, if the occupant was still living in it. And the people agreed to let us go look. Do you remember what house I'm talking oh, about?
1: Yes. Okay. I, so I've tried to mentally block some of that out. <laughs> but yes, I remember.
0: They agreed to let us go in and look at the house. And the lady was really nice, very sweet, very helpful, showing us stuff, where things were, mm-hmm. telling us some of the little, the little weird things. Yeah, the nuances of the house. About, yeah. yeah, about the place. And everything she owned was beautiful that hung on the walls. But the walls were full. There was very little space
1: you walk into the room and there's nowhere for your eye to to rest right because there's so much you're just scanning to see everything that's around Mm -hmm. and it wasn't just the walls it was the tables beside the furniture it was the open space well there was no open spaces on the floor one room there was just a path to walk through because they had so much stuff. No, every now, room
0: was. Remember none it, all the bedrooms. Yeah, yeah,
1: none of it was trash. No, it wasn't a dirty house. No, by any stretch of the imagination, it was very clean, very well taken care of. They just so many things. It was just very overwhelming. Well, I'm just very
0: sitting here stressful. thinking, how hard is it to keep a place clean when the only thing you have to do is make one swipe with your mop in one little tiny path? But and that's literally all that was open. It was. You know, furniture and toys and,
1: I mean, it was... Mementos from places they'd been and, you know, yeah, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but it
0: was every every bedroom only had a path cleared to go to the closet and the dresser.
1: Yeah, the door coming into the bed, a little pathway to the dresser, mm-hmm. a little pathway to the closet, and then everything ties back into the center of the room and you go back out the door. Yep,
0: yeah, it yeah. was very, very crowded. And she wanted to tell me things. Um, she was very sweet to you know, invite me to sit down and chat. But I was feeling too anxious to be able to focus on what she said Mm -hmm. because there was, like, it was just all very, like, look at me, look at me, look at me. And it was too much for my Mm -hmm. brain. I think I have ADD or something. But anyway, I think that visually we are calmer when there's not too much stimulation. Mm -hmm. And again, I realize some of us have a lot more tolerance for things than others. But I think... Part of it is that we don't realize how much calmer we would feel if we could get used to a little something new.
1: Yeah, I, I, I've heard people say before that, you know, well, I like all this stuff around me. It's, you know, I know where everything's at and I'm good with it. But I think if we were to get them to understand, or not really get them to understand, but help them to clean up the space, at first they may be uncomfortable with how open everything is. But as they got used to it, it may help them calm their mental space down to where they're not as anxious or not as stressed out or you know they can enjoy the peace of not having so much around them and of course this i mean it makes sense to me i'm not a psychologist i've never studied psychology
0: but have you stayed at a holiday Inn express
1: i did it once or twice um so there i think i'm qualified sure yeah. um to expand on this yeah but you know with all that expertise i've uh, you know attained over the years <laughs> of staying at holiday and expresses i think i can say this with you know Fair amount of certainty. Yeah, fair amount of certainty that Sure. That's that's just what I feel. It just makes sense to me because I grew up in a home that we had a lot of clutter, a lot of trash, and it just I didn't realize how anxious and how nervous and how unsure of everything that I was until I met you and you weren't like that. You didn't have a whole lot of clutter and trash and everything laying around.
0: I did when I was a kid, but it changed when I became an adult.
1: And the house was more calm and peaceful because you didn't have everything around you all over the place. And I think that is why
0: when we get rid of clutter, we feel better emotionally. mm -hmm. I think there's just, 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 even talking about it. Makes you kind of be like, oh, okay. Like, yeah. I don't know about you, but I sort of feel more relaxed. My shoulders mm-hmm. tend to like come down away from my mm-hmm. ears a little bit. And and I feel more just calm. But I can also rest better. I'm also a person who can't work in clutter. Right. I know that some people, you know, they can work with noise, you know, or music or whatever. They have an ability to, to shut all that stuff out. I'm not one of those who can do that either. Mm-hmm. I like it quiet when I work. Um, probably because if the music is on and it's a song I like, I want to sing to it or dance along or both
1: mm-hmm.
0: or sing along and dance is what I meant to say. Or if it's a song I don't like, I think about how much I don't like it and how annoying it is or whatever. Yeah, and, and it I'll, distracts me from like doing. i I like the
1: background noise and it just, if it's the right type of music, I get more motivated to be productive than...
0: Yeah, I think some of that depends on what it is I'm doing. If I'm doing something that requires a lot of thought, then I don't want, I, I want classical music. Mm-hmm. But if I'm doing something like cleaning out the garage, then I want upbeat, fast, happy, peppy music.
1: Mm.
0: <laughs> or rock and roll.
1: Mm-hmm. Um. So no blues.
0: Never blues. <laughs> never, ever do I want to hear blues and almost never do I want to hear country music that is also not motivating that is demotivating. another thing that I think increases our stress with our from our stuff is the time and energy for maintaining them and then if it's something delicate, we have to worry you know it's it be careful, don't break it or ruin it or mm-hmm. whatever and I think that I don't know that people have a lot of stuff like that. I don't know, maybe people with antiques I don't know
1: well, yeah. When you have stuff like that, you're going to build shelves and buy cabinet to put this fragile stuff in. And then that develops into more things that have to be cleaned and dusted and more money outlay to to build either the shelves and the time to build it. So, yeah, it's just. It's just a lot. Yeah.
0: I think another thing that happens is that we attach value to our possessions and see them as extensions of our identity. I think that we probably would say, well, I know I'm not my stuff. I know I'm not more valuable if I have more stuff or less valuable if I have less. But what is it that's driving us to go get these things?
1: Yeah, we kind of identify with it. I know, (laughs) again, I'll use me as the example. I want to be able to play guitar because I love music.
0: Do I get to pick on you about some of this? Yes. (laughs) I
1: I can't be a guitar player if I don't have a guitar.
0: Okay, so let me ask you a question.
1: (laughs) You got one. Wait. Here we go, folks.
0: I'm not, <laughs> <laughs> Well, you got a guitar. Yes. And then just a few months later, you wanted a different guitar. Yes. Another. Additional. Not instead of. Right. This wasn't a trade. Right. This was in addition to. You went from, what was the first one? Electric? It was an electric
1: guitar. And we then you went it. to acoustic. Yeah, acoustic. And why did
0: you, what made you realize you needed the acoustic?
1: Well... Because it's more portable. You don't have to have an amp. It doesn't have to be plugged in. You can just, you know, take it out to the park and play.
0: Fair. Okay. So, what made you need the third guitar?
1: Well, that one, see, that one's special. Because as I was going through Amazon, I saw this beautiful color of this Schechter guitar. Beautiful blue. And I just had to have it because it was gorgeous. But they didn't have that color in stock. But I'd already set my heart on getting one of these guitars, so I bought the black one
0: okay then what made you need the fourth guitar
1: well because see the first three have six strings and i was having difficulty really getting to be able to learn that so i figured oh a bass has four strings this should be easier so and it was in the right color it was a beautiful blue and it was a short scale which means it's not as big as a regular bass not as heavy a little more portable So, I'm like, okay, I can do this. So, I'm sensing
0: a theme. You want a blue, portable, easy-to-play guitar.
1: Yeah, I haven't told you yet, but my next one's going to be a nice little blue Squire Telecaster.
0: Oh, jeez.
1: It's already in my wish list.
0: Oh, oh, boy.
1: (laughs) Okay. So. All right. Look, I need these because if we ever go back to church and I want to be on the praise team and play, if I don't have these guitars, I'm not going to be versatile enough because, you know, I could play... Rhythm and lead and bass. But if I don't have all of that, I can't be known as an instrumentalist, a guitarist, a virtuoso.
0: I didn't realize that was your goal in life. You going to be in a band too?
1: No, I just like playing music.
0: Okay. So you can't get rid of your any one of your four guitars mm-hmm. because then you wouldn't be... A, a guitarist. Yeah, a
1: musician. A musician. I can't okay. get rid of my carving knives because then I can't be a whittler.
0: But when was the last time you whittled?
1: I don't know. It's been about a year and a half, I think.
0: <laughs> Which is fine. I get it. We all have things that we want to do, hobbies we should pursue. I mean, we're making fun and right. laughing. But the truth is, like, it's there's nothing wrong with it. But how, I'm curious, when you go over there and look at, you've got three guitars or Two or three on a stand. I know there's one under the bed. Mm-hmm. I know you there's have one in the closet, yeah. Okay, so it's two on the stand and the Two other... on the
1: stand, one under the bed, one in the closet.
0: Okay. So then what do you <laughs> what do you think of when you think about these guitars? I
1: don't have enough time to play them, to get any better, to practice. Is that true? In my head it's true. Is but it it's...
0: true outside of your head?
1: No, because I've got the time, I'm just not structuring the time to do it. Okay. So, but that's a whole different podcast talking about that.
0: But But actually, it's not. They tie together.
1: Yeah, they do. They do.
0: Everything touches everything, first of all. But second of all, like, no, our identity does drive our behavior.
1: Right. Yeah, that's why I've got guitars and can't play one of them. Because. I want to be a musician. I want to be able to play. That's always been as far back as I can remember from childhood Till today, I've always wanted to know how to play a guitar. That's one of the constants in, in my head of, I want to be able to play. Because I like music so much, I can hear the different bits and pieces when I'm listening to the songs I like on the, on mm. the radio. So I, that's something I just want to be able to do. But I haven't made it a priority to learn because there's so many other things that need my time, or I feel like need my time.
0: So. I understand that. I think probably everyone listening would totally relate to right. that. But I also think that we are, I think those are real things that we struggle with, but I think we also acquire things because we are looking to be fulfilled and we're, it's something we're looking for, Mm -hmm. right? But studies actually show that long-term happiness is very closely linked to experiences and relationships rather than stuff. Right. And I think everybody would say, well, duh, because those things are more Mm -hmm. important than stuff. But we are looking for the thing we want in the wrong places.
1: Well, our stuff creates an escape from reality. Sometimes. It numbs us. Yes, yeah.
0: it's a good distraction.
1: Yeah. So the yeah. you know it, the clutter of the stuff around us, how we want to identify with it, you know, it, it gives us the distraction. It gives us an escape.
0: I'm a big fan of how it makes me feel. How mm-hmm. something makes me feel. How did it feel when we had that big giant house and all that stuff in it? Versus how did it feel when we downsized and lived in the camper and had a lot of less stuff? So with that in mind, I think we have to also consider how we feel when we have less stuff. Like when we get rid of our things. I don't mean like what does it feel like to have less stuff. I mean specifically mm-hmm. if you feel like your house is crowded, it's too small, it's cluttered, you have too many things or whatever... How does it make you feel when you think about the idea of getting rid of some stuff? Because I think most people would say the idea of getting rid of some things makes me feel freer, lighter, happier, whatever,
1: calmer. Yeah, but then when you walk into the room or the space or the storage (laughs) building or your garage, wherever you've got all this stuff piled up and you start going through the stuff, memories start coming up. Mm -hmm. And then you feel depressed because if you get rid of this... Macaroni art that your kid created in third grade—you're going to lose that memory. You're going to lose that sentimental value because yeah. you don't have it.
0: Michael Hyatt actually did a whole speech training. I don't—I don't think he had a podcast yet, but I watched it. It was a video that he did, and he specifically talked about how he uses Dropbox for stuff like that. And so he has, in all the things he travels a lot. Yeah, speaking, I remember you telling me about this. And he has a Dropbox account. And he has different folders. And he made a Dropbox folder for each one of his grandkids, I think, because it wasn't around when his kids were little. And every time his grandkids make stuff, he said, if we kept everything, he said, our garage would be overflowing with stuff mm-hmm. our kids and grandkids have made through the years. And so he takes a picture of the thing the kid made or video, and he puts it into that that folder that is labeled with that kid's name. And so he feels like, then he always has it with him without actually having to accrue a bunch of physical things. And he said Mm -hmm. that they keep it for a while. And then I think he said they get rid of it later or whatever. And I think that's kind of a pretty good compromise. Yeah. Cause especially in the world we live in where our, our phones and iPads devices or whatever are with us all the time. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's pretty cool. But I think people feel really accomplished when they declutter. I think having a free, a clutter free environment leaves us physically and mentally more, it just gives us more space for creativity and productivity. And I think it makes us feel like we're more in control somehow, Mm -hmm. which you are because you're controlling what you have or don't have, but it just feels like way more than that. Way Mm -hmm. more. The impact is big is what I guess I'm trying to say. And we feel that we're more organized, but um, our culture And our societies influence us about the importance of having certain material things, peer pressure, you know, advertising, marketing's really good for some products. Keeping up with the Joneses. Yeah, Yeah. and I think it's Dave Ramsey who says, uh, I'm sure it's Dave, but let's Mm -hmm. see if I can get it right. It's something like, you're spending money you don't have to buy stuff you don't want to impress people you don't like. Yeah. Or buying stuff you don't need, maybe is what he said. Yeah. Um, to impress people you don't even like. And I, just, when I first heard him say that, I just laughed because that's very, very true. I think the importance is to consider the cost versus the value of our possessions. And question whether it's necessary. Kind of like the Marie Kondo thing. Mm-hmm. We talked about um, watching different...
1: TV shows. Yeah. The
0: miniseries, mm-hmm. the documentary stuff that we've seen. And you know, Marie Kondo is very much about take your thing, your possession, and if it brings you joy, keep it, and if it doesn't, get rid of it and then of course, people make jokes about the whole you know I threw out the electric bill and the water bill because they didn't bring me joy,
1: and the dog and the cat and the husband and the kids <laughs> Those and <things>. the guitars
0: <laughs> I would let you keep one, don't worry. Now, look, and by the way, if some one of those goes missing, don't come looking at me. It's not me.
1: But... Just not the blue one.
0: Which blue one? You have multiples. I only got one blue one. Oh, that's right. You wanted the blue one, but and they didn't have the, the blue. It's of... mm-hmm. black. Yeah. Okay. I'll be sure and not throw out your blue one. <laughs> but obviously, the relationship between our stuff and our mental health is very individualized, and what works for one person is not going to work for another. And you have to figure out where you strike the balance that aligns with your values and keeps you in that sweet spot of having enough stuff that makes you happy without having so much that you feel overwhelmed. But that takes a lot of self-reflection regularly, you know? Mm-hmm. But I, I know there have been times, like right over there, I bought that garland of, you know, it's gold string with these big emerald jewel-tone green balls, and and I was like, oh, it doesn't match the green that I have in the house for Christmas stuff, but it's so pretty... Mm -hmm. And it makes me happy to look at it. But I am not a person who generally keeps a lot of knick-knacky stuff. Plus, it's going to hang on a wall and decorate something, so it'll be okay. But I know that I do that with some things. And some things I look at, and I'm like, you know what? It doesn't make me happy to look Mm -hmm. at this. I like the item, but everything associated with the item, cleaning it, maintaining it, moving it, whatever, doesn't bring me any joy. And so I do get rid of some things sometimes. Mm -hmm. I love it, but... Dot dot dot.
1: Yeah, like yeah.
0: like we had a Chaise lounge chair
1: mm-hmm. that I bought
0: many years ago, and it was super colorful and big and uniquely shaped, and it was gorgeous, and it was super crazy comfortable. It was mm-hmm. such a good napping chair, but every house we have had since I bought it in two thousand and three or four before yeah, we moved yeah. out of Texas. So in two thousand and three or four, when I bought it. Every house we've had since then didn't have a good place to put that chair.
1: Yeah, it was always a struggle to figure out where to put it. Mm -hmm. What corner can this go in? It could only go in a corner, yeah, Yeah, because
0: it stuck out so far. Mm -hmm. It was totally impractical. And I loved every minute of it, but I did make the very difficult decision when we downsized out of that house to get rid of it.
1: Well, and we talked about it, too, because it was so comfortable, and we liked it, and everybody that came over wanted to sit in it. To the point that it was starting to get threadbare in spots and you know tears here and there that well maybe we should hold on to it and then just have it recovered. Which was gonna cost more, mm-hmm. take
0: more time, take more money, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then we were gonna go back to having the mental stress of, But where are we gonna put the princess chair?
1: Yeah. 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 And a lot of people have asked us, Well, where's that comfortable chair? Oh, we got rid of it. Went into the chipper. It went into, it the, went into chipper, the chipper. And they get visibly depressed. <laughs> You can just see their face drop. It was so
0: comfortable. I yeah, loved it. Yeah, it's true. Okay, so let's move on to the second half of what my friend mentioned. And and I want to talk about this separately because I think this is actually at the heart of it all. It's the part about how we self-sabotage when we overcompensate. Because we're trying to reach, well, she said, her words, we're trying to reach perfection or whatever, whatever, what have you, gosh, I can't talk, around the new thing we're trying to do And we end up missing the whole point of it, and this is my part now, which is to free ourselves mentally from the thing that's been playing a part in holding us back, right? And even talking about getting rid of clutter makes you feel lighter Mm -hmm. and more inspired, maybe more motivated, and even though we know it's a big job to tackle. So let's talk about that. What is up with our knee-jerk reaction when we, anytime we reach a new awareness and that tendency to go farther than we meant to because we're motivated. So mm-hmm. it starts, it stems from a good place, right? And we get excited or determined or anxious to fix it. And then we rocket launch ourselves in the other direction. And we don't even realize how far we've gone.
1: Yeah. When when we sold our house, we knew we were going to sell it. So we started talking about, well, we're going to start going through all of our stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And getting rid of some things. But every time we went in to start doing that, the overwhelm of all this junk we've got we've accumulated i don't know where to start so we kept putting it off and putting it off and putting it off and then when the house sold and we had to get out of it we just started putting stuff in the boxes and we rented a big storage room you know and then we lived in our camper for a little bit and when we sold that and rented this house that we're in now now that we can find a house now to that live we can in. find <laughs> a house we didn't want to keep paying for the storage building yep that was expensive so we brought everything and put it in the garage yep which was overwhelming because now we got stuff all over the garage. With, and our intent was, we're going to go through it slowly and start eliminating some things. Which and we did. We did, but it
0: was it's, very slowly. Very
1: slow. Mm-hmm. And it got to the point where I'm walking out there, because I you know, go through the garage every day, going to work and coming home, and I'm seeing all this stuff, and I'm just like, let's just rent a big... Container and have them back it up into the driveway and just start chucking the boxes out in this container and get rid of it so that we don't have to deal with this anymore.
0: That is always our okay, maybe not always and maybe not everyone's, but it's definitely a knee jerk reaction that I would have mm-hmm. is to say that. And I knew that the garage was really bad because you know we started going through a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. and then summer came and we were like, "Ugh, nope, can't go out here. It's too hot." And then we kind of slowly started when it weather cooled off. Yeah. And then we but,
1: accumulate cardboard.
0: Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And then we ended up, we had this situation where like we had a lot of boxes that all had a little bit of stuff in them because we'd been moving things around and sorting through, but they were all just a, still sitting there and it was a mess. And I knew it was bad the day that Drew, our youngest son, has a very big tolerance for clutter he said when he walked in one day, he always comes through the garage and he said, mom, when are you guys going to finish that garage? It's stressing me out. And I was like, man, we really reached a height of badness in this situation. But you know, with our Seattle kids coming, it, we actually did decide to be, I always joke about why do we have so many storage places popping up all over the place? And I'm like, how much stuff do people need? But then we literally yesterday just went and rented a tiny little storage room just because we're not done moving those boxes around. And we're going to, when the Seattle crew comes for Christmas, we are going to use the garage as part of a living area during the daytime to have more space because the house is kind of small and we're going to have, you know, some preteens hanging out together and mm-hmm. we've got small children hanging out. And then yeah. we've got all these these adults that are going to be additional here. Additional space
1: to entertain mm-hmm. things like that. So, so. we
0: moved, we're going to move those boxes that were not done going through yet. We put those in the storage room, but the agreement, the deal is mm-hmm. it must be all done by April 1st. Right. And the truth is, since it will be cool enough, we could go over there every week Get a couple of boxes Mm -hmm. and just a little faster pace than we've been doing, but still slowly. And then we'll have our garage back. So I think that'll be okay. And if
1: it goes past our April 1st deadline, then that's just our stupid fee.
0: Yeah. To keep (laughs) paying it every single month. Yes. Right. But you know, I think the issue is moderation is hard for us. Mm -hmm. Black and white rules are easier. You might not like them, but they're not messy. You know what I mean? It's neater. It's neater that way. Hard and fast rules don't leave room for nuances, but the nuances are what makes the situation unique, right? right? And I think we think that doing more is more. Mm -hmm. So if getting rid of some stuff is good, getting rid of a lot of stuff must be better. Right. That's not always true.
1: Yeah, it's like you you want to get rid of it, and you're looking at it, I don't like the way this is going, so I'm just going to do a complete 180 and go the whole different direction mm-hmm. with it. And as you're looking back to where you were, like, I don't want to be there. And you're running forward and forward and forward. And all of a sudden you smack into a tree. Yes. Because you're going too far the other way. You're just going overboard. I think we with don't. With what you wanted to do instead of making a logical.
0: Yeah. I think we don't realize that we really are warriors in our own little way about things like that. Because we don't ever stop to consider If we could just take it at a slower pace and just check in Mm -hmm. periodically as we're going to see how it feels. So if you suddenly wake up one day and are very aware that you have way too much stuff or you've been aware that you have too much stuff, way more than you need or want, Mm -hmm. and you're ready to take action instead of just going head first and diving in and just laying waste to the land and getting rid of everything, why not just take it in steps or in phases Mm -hmm. or sections or whatever. But I think it's like everything else in life. We have to figure out where we align with things and what our tolerances are because what works for one person isn't going to work for you. Even if it's your best friend, it doesn't mean it's going to work for you. And if you try to follow what your best friend's done, you might forget that you're a beautiful unicorn and your needs are different. Right. And so you have to remember that we really should be all about the journey And not the destination. We're usually the opposite. We always think that everything that we want is at the end. But the truth is it's all the stuff in the middle that makes us figure out who we really are, who we really want to be. And then getting to the end is, first of all, there really is no end, right? It's always, there's always journey. But the journey is where the character is molded. The journey is where the manure is that fertilizes you and your heart. And the journey is where the discovery is. And so we can sit and be uncomfortable With things or we can chase distractions and you have to figure out like, what's the next right step? Mm -hmm. Which way do you pivot? Where's my line? And only you can answer that. So I think it's about thinking about how you feel, like really taking the time to sit in your stuff and ask yourself how you feel with all these things. Mm -hmm. And do you need X, Y, Z in your life to make you that person?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's like you're saying, you look around you say, okay, this, when we got that, it was great and we needed it and it was wonderful, but we haven't used it in five years. If you haven't used it, then you really don't need it.
0: Well, it's the same way with our clothing. Mm-hmm. You know, I hear so many people say, women in particular, like, oh, I really need to clean out my closet, but they don't always know where to start. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that's ever worked with me was to look at each thing and ask myself, when's the last time I wore it? If it's been... Like, I live in Georgia, so it's mostly summer here. Winter's just a couple of weeks long, and then we have like a couple of weeks of fall, and then we usually have a couple of months of spring. Mm-hmm. And so, if I look at something, if it's been more than a year, if it's a winter shirt, I give myself a little more leeway. But if I haven't worn it in two seasons of quote winter weather here in Georgia, then I probably need to get rid of it because I always mm-hmm. wear the favorite, my favorite things. I wear those all the time. Yeah. And so, The other thing that helped me was to say, if I looked at something, I was like, I really love this. I don't wear it a lot because it's uncomfortable. It's itchy. I don't like the way it hangs. I don't like the way it clings or whatever. Then I just get rid of it. But when I look at things and go, I love this, I don't wear it a lot, but whether whatever needs are, then I take that item. I take the hanger and I flip it around backwards. Mm-hmm. And then the next time I go through the closet, if that hanger is still hanging backwards. So, you know, how you pick it off, mm-hmm. off the rod and you, it, it's got the curve toward you mm-hmm. and you pull it right off. I flip it the other way so that I'm taking it off the away from me is where it, the way it comes off the rod. If it's still like that, the next time I clean out the closet, I have to get rid of that item.
1: Yeah. It's like when we were in Germany, you bought tons and tons of scarves because it was cold there and you needed them. Mm-hmm and over time you've slowly whittled that down to just a few yeah. cuz you don't have as many as you used to
0: because but nobody will take me to move to the mountains moose
1: <laughs> you need to you need to deal with that issue
0: and move to the mountains yes yeah no i have had to get rid of them mm-hmm. i just don't there's you know for the one or two days a year that it's really cold in georgia i don't need 30 scarves no matter right. how pretty they are right
1: and it's not like we Do a lot of traveling to the colder places where we would need one of those, but it's okay to hold back three or four. Maybe we should.
0: Maybe you should take me. You know, have three or
1: four in the closet instead of 40, which you never had 40 scarves, but I'm just, you know, embellishing a little. (laughs) Thank you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So what does this mean for you? What's the next right step? If you're a person who feels like you want to get some clutter out of your house, Which way do you pivot? When do you do that? How do you make a plan? What do you think is the next right step for you right now? You get to think about all these fun things. I'll be thinking about it in the spring because that's when I'm going to be doing most of my stuff. And you, sir. Yes. You might want to think about your guitars. What? No. I can't be a musician. Do you know that you could have just one guitar and still be a musician?
1: I have to think about that.
0: <laughs> think about what that next right step might be for you in the okay. area of your guitars. Mr. Two on the rack, one under the bed, and one in the closet.
1: Well, I'd have them all out if we had more room.
0: You can hang them on the walls. I'd prefer <laughs> that. I mean, I think they're... You can make a Christmas tree. Buy a couple more, make them a Christmas tree like you See, saw in See, now we're talking.
1: Then I need multiple colors.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh, we're getting a little crazy. Okay, so there you go. Some of the reasons you might be tied to your stuff in ways that don't serve you or propel you to your highest self. I appreciate you listening. If you liked this podcast and you feel it has value, will you please help grow the show by sharing it on your favorite social platform? I would be forever grateful. This episode is airing December 4th and it's going to be the last new episode in 2023. I am taking a break uh, until the 15th of January when I come back with new episodes I am going to put up some bonus replays every week between now and then, but I do this because I want to make sure that I'm a person who practices what she preaches, so I schedule time off regularly. Uh, If you need me between now and then, I'm going to be putzing around my house, decorating, baking cookies, probably watching some cheesy, awful, but great Hallmark movies. (laughs) And getting ready for the Seattle crew to visit and then getting them back out of here. So I hope you have a great holiday. I will talk to you in 2024. Say goodbye, Moose. Goodbye, Moose. Good job. Y'all have a great holiday. We'll talk to you next year.